So what is your focus on? That's the question I want you to ponder this morning. Or in another way, um, are you seeing clearly now as you walk with Christ? Um, everyone knows what this is. These are binoculars that are going to come up on the screen. When uh, we have the wonderful blessing over the last number of years to be able to stay at the beach for a week during the summer, at the back door, the sliding back door of both of the different condos that we have stayed in, there have been binoculars there. And so often we'll see a ship you know, going by or something going on on the strand and I'll grab those binoculars and go out on the balcony. And what is very unclear other than just this ship going by way out in, in the ocean or uh, some things may be going on on the strand, I can take those binoculars and I can see clearly. It makes things come into focus so that I can see what is going on. Interestingly enough, enough, when it comes to our focus as we walk with Christ, God not only demands for us to focus on him, but it is a commandment. Look at the four first of the Ten Commandments. And all four of those are for us to put God first, to make him all in our life. And we come to this place in the Sermon on the Mount this morning, and we are going to, again, look at the Christian motivation that Jesus is giving those on the side of the mountain that day. And if you wanted to sum it up, this whole section in a couple of words, it would be God first. So anytime we put anything before God, there's always strings attached. And what happens is those strings attached are directly attached to our heart, as we will see in this text. Now, people will question about God, Jesus, as Jesus is teaching uh, the scriptures, talking about money. And money is talked about a lot in scripture. And it's not that God cares about the money specifically. He really cares about our heart. And we will see where our heart is, there our treasure will be also. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. And so this section is about God, and it is about money. Now, Someone might ask you this week, somewhere in uh, your course of going to the store or meeting with friends or having neighbors uh, next door uh, greet you in some way, uh, your Christian friends may ask you, well, what did your preacher preach on this week? And you're going to be tempted to say money. But I don't preach on money very often. In fact, it's very, very seldom that you ever hear me preach on money. But I want to caution you not to use that word if somebody asks you that this week, okay? Don't say my preacher preached on money 
what I want you to say is my preacher preached on what am I focused on with my heart? Because that's really what this text is all about. It is about our heart. And so Jesus in this text uses three illustrations. He uses two treasures, two sets of eyes, two masters. And I think the scripture challenges me and hopefully maybe it will challenge you to ask the question, what am I, what are we focused on? So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, Matthew 6, 19 through 24 is our text for today. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is not clear, your whole body will be, will be, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can, can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. And I pray, Father, this morning that you would illuminate our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. For this, your holy word of what you have for us today. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. And so we begin with two treasures. I said there's three sets of two, and the first is two treasures. One is on earth and one is in heaven. And so Jesus, first of all, says the treasures you store on earth will pass away. Do not store up treasures for yourself on earth where malls and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. If I told you this morning that I had an opportunity for you just to take every penny you have, everything in the bank, everything in your 401k, and you were to invest it in this particular thing that I have for you, and you would lose all your money, including your interests, you'd sign up for it? I don't think so. I don't think anybody would sign up for it. Would you put your money in a financial institution where there is no security, where anyone can walk in and take your money, just like they would take theirs? We wouldn't sign up for that. We would never. It's almost laughable to think that those examples would be something someone would do. But Jesus is saying almost exactly the same thing. What are we doing? What are we doing with our treasures here on earth where we are, are storing them so that they will pass away? Because he says they're going to pass away. You can't hang on to them. There's going to be malls and rust and thieves that will come in and take it 
So Jesus is asking the question, where are you investing your resources? Where are you storing your treasure? Are you focused on the earthly side or are you focused on the kingdom side? The problem is that everything we store up for ourselves here on earth, Jesus says, will pass away. And he means everything. He uses three illustrations here, and those on the side of the mountain that day would have understood exactly what he was saying. Because you see, at that time, they didn't have a Dillard's or a Belt's or a Walmart that you could go in and buy clothes and buy them at any time you wanted. Basically, you know, we can go to Walmart and for either $7.47 or $8.97, we can get a shirt. And we can wear that shirt two to 10 years, according to how long you wear your clothes. Then, clothes were looked at as very, uh, a possession that you, that you loved, that you valued, that had value for you. And so, when we look at Lydia that had the purple cloth industry, she was considered wealthy. People didn't have walk-in closets full of clothes. Often, they might have just a shirt on their back. And so Jesus is saying, if you're storing up clothes here, the malls are going to, to take it. If you have precious metals, they will often rust and devalue. And besides, if you've got a lot of possessions, if you've got a lot of things, you have a lot of money, there are those that will want to break in and take it and steal it. We can go, over, especially on Capitol Boulevard, which is a dealership, uh, you know, just city, uh, all the way up and down Capitol, you can go buy you a brand new, bright and shiny new car, and you might think that it'll last forever, it won't. Have you ever been by a junkyard? I mean, they're full of cars that are rusted and old and no longer worth a dime except for just the metal that's in them. And so Jesus is speaking in their terms and he understands and is trying to help them understand that the things of today or the things of their day is such that if you are building treasures on this earth, they are not going to last. Things just don't last. And even if they did, we don't. Death is ultimate for us. This body, unless Christ comes back, this body is going to fail me. And yes, I get to go on to be with Christ, but death is ultimate because of the fall of mankind. Job said in the first chapter of, of Job, Job is talking, he said, Naked I came in from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. In other words, there is nothing I'm going to take with you, with me. And if you were to talk to Bill Joyner, he will tell you that I don't think he's ever attached a, a U-Haul to a, a hearse. I mean, you just can't take it with you. Uh, it's not going to do you any good. Jesus told a parable, told um, a story, and it's recorded in Luke, the 12th chapter, 
the verses will be on the screen, and he's talking to the rich man, and uh, the, the rich man has, has said, I've done all these things, and then Jesus says to him, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up tr things for himself but is not rich towards God. And so Jesus, in this first movement, says, the treasures you store here on earth will pass away. And so the question is, what are we focused on? Heaven or earth? And Jesus then goes and says, but the treasures that you store in heaven will last forever, in verse 20. Moth nor rust will destroy, thieves can't break in, they can't steal. Unlike the earthly treasures, our heavenly treasures are secure. Everything is kept. Everything is perfect. And you say, well, how do we store up treasures in heaven? Well, I wanted to give that to you because last week I fell a little short in telling you how to fast. We talked about that in Sunday school. So, how do we store up treasures in heaven? Well, luckily, the scriptures tell us. If you were to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and read 17, 18, and 19, Paul tells Timothy how... We are to store up treasures in heaven. He begins with, command those that are rich in this present world. And let me tell you, he's not talking about just the wealthy. Paul is talking about those who have means, those who have possessions, those who have some type of value in their life. So keep that in mind. Those who are rich in this present world. And then if you move a little bit further, here's where he tells us what to do. He says, we are to do good. We're to be rich in good deeds. We're to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up their treasures, Paul says, for themselves as a firm foundation, something we sung about earlier, from the coming for the coming age. In other words, when we do these things, when we do good, rich indeed, generous, willing to share. Paul tells Timothy, these who do this will store up for themselves treasures in heaven until Christ comes back for them. In Matthew 19, Jesus says, give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Take, can't take it with you, but... You can send it on ahead. You can store up your treasure in heaven. There are two things that will last forever. Did you know that? Two things. One is people. So people are either going to hell or heaven. I mean, we're, we're going, just showing you two choices. And, and so when we die and leave this body, we're going to heaven or hell. And, and so people will last forever. That's what eternity is about. And we get to spend eternity with our Savior in heaven. The, the second thing that Scripture tells us is that God's Word, and remember 1 John, or John, the first chapter of John, 
the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so God and His Word will last forever. These are the two things that will last. And so when we think about that and we think about our priorities in life, God is saying value value people over possessions value me value my word over the things of this world colossians 3 2 says set your mind on things above not on the things or earthly things and so someone might ask you and i bet you they have especially if you're my age how are you preparing for retirement well, see, that's the wrong question. The wrong question, because I, I think as Christians, the question should be, how are you preparing for eternal life? Because that's what's important, is where I'm going to spend eternity. In other words, what is your focus, and is your focus on the wrong thing? Because Jesus says, the treasures you store on earth will pass away, but the treasures that you store in heaven will last forever. Jesus doesn't start, stop there. He, I told you this is about a heart thing, and so he brings it back in verse 21 to the heart, and he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why does it matter where we store our treasures? It has to do with our heart. It's really not about money. And, and so while Jesus wants us, God wants us to return our tithes and offerings for the work of his ministry, the church, and we know that that is a commandment, ultimately God doesn't need our money. He needs our heart. Because if our heart's in the right place, all of the other things fall into place. If our heart is in the right place, we will do the things that God has called us to do for his will and for his purpose. So we ask the question, what is the most valuable thing in your life? Diedrich Bonhoeffer writes, Everything which hinders us from loving God above all things and acts as a barrier between ourselves and our obedience to Jesus is our treasure and the place where our heart is. And so whether we are a wealthy man or woman and have all types of investments or whether we are homeless and only have a blanket where your treasure is, is there your heart will be also and I will tell you it's really not as much as the amount of things that you have but it's where your heart is focused is it in this world or is it on Jesus hear me church it is not wrong to plan for the future it is not wrong to have financial planning. It is not wrong to have wealth. In fact, financial planning and being wise is scriptural.
But Paul reminds us that it is wrong to love money, to love possessions. He tells Timothy in chapter 6, verse 10, it's not money that is the root of all evil. It's what? The love of money that is the root of all evil. Where is our focus? So you see, it's not having possessions. It's not having money in the bank. It's not you know, being able to live comfortably and those type things that is wrong. It's where is your worship? Where is your focus? Where is ultimately your heart? And God has given us wonderful things to enjoy. Wonderful, wonderful things that in this world that we can enjoy and participate in and, and go about. But they are all temporary and we cannot, cannot have our focus on the things of the earth outside of being underneath our focus on the things of heaven. Your heart follows your treasure. Your heart will follow your treasure. Have you ever thought about Jesus being your treasure? In this text, Jesus moves from two treasures to two sets of eyes. And in verse 23, 22 and 23, he talks about that. The, the eye in Scripture is a symbol of the heart. In, in Psalm 119, if you were reading the ESV, in verse 6, he says, Having my eyes fixed on all of your commandments... And then if you read a little bit further, he uses the same word in the, in the Hebrew, but he changes it and says in verse 10, I seek you with all of my heart. And so we fix our eyes, we fix our hearts on the commands of God. We seek God with all of our heart. So we're back to a heart thing. And Jesus kind of flips it now, and he says in his illustration, when your heart is right, your path is clear. In other words, when your heart is right and your path is clear, your whole body is filled with this light of Christ. There's another I am statement, I am the light of the world. The light that comes into us as believers we have, and, and, and the that I am statement reminds us that as we have the light of Christ in us, that our pathway is clear. 119 again, verse 105, your lamp, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And Jesus talks about here good and healthy eyes. Those that will be single-minded, in other words, having a single purpose, when your eyes are good and focused on the right thing, when your eyes are good and focused on the right thing, then your heart is right and your whole life comes into focus. We're to have one purpose in life, and that is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And if that is our focus, then the Scripture reminds us that not only is God generous in his mercy and grace, but we are to be generous to others. Don't store up treasures here. Store up your treasures in heaven. 
If your heart is right and your path is clear, everything begins to fall into place. As your eyesight is focused on God, you have those binoculars that make it clear. Your eyesight is absolutely clear in every way on what God is leading you and calling you to do through the power of his Holy Spirit. When your heart is right and your path is clear, then you don't have to worry about that other peace that God it, Jesus gives us here, and that is when your heart is wrong, you're going to walk in darkness. In verse 23, he says, But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within us is darkness, then there is nothing but darkness. He says, How great is that darkness in your life? So if your eyes are bad, and you don't have any light, then your whole body is dark. In the same way, when your eyes are clear and that light comes in, then you see clearly as God is calling you and leading you. In fact, you have the light of Christ dwelling in you. This word here in, in the Greek, bad, can mean not working, and it can also mean a sense of evil. Have you ever had somebody or you thought somebody was giving you the evil eye? You've heard that term. And so often it's because of a, a jealous heart or something that's gone wrong and they give you that evil eye. And so this almost uh, a double vision where their whole mantra comes into that jealous or not working, that, that bad vibe that they will give you. And so when the darkness is within you, it's not just around you. So if, if your eyes are dark, if you're not focused on the right things, it's not just the darkness that's around you, but the darkness, Jesus says, actually lives in you. It lives in your heart. And God cares about our hearts. He cares about our hearts. And when our heart is wrong, it plunges us into darkness. I've said this before, and you know the statistics. The majority of crimes happen at night in the darkness. And it's because... They don't want to be seen. They don't want to be seen doing evil. Throughout Scripture, we see darkness intertwined in evil, in immoral behavior. God cares about our hearts. And this passage is, is more about our hearts and our focus. And are we focused on Him as believers and where is our priorities? So he talks about these two treasures, one on earth and one in heaven. And he, he talks about two sets of eyes, one that is, is unclear, can't see, one that is clear, that can and receives the light of Christ. And then he closes this passage with two masters. And in verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. They were either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. And so these two masters, Jesus says, is impossible 
impossible to do. When I was a teenager, one summer, I worked with a, um, a company down at Myrtle Beach, and they did uh, repair work, like screened-in porches and roofs, and uh, not that they would do a whole roof, they just did repairs. And so there was two men, two owners, that were partners in that business. And I will tell you, it didn't take me long to realize I was in a mess, and I had committed to three months, and my dad was one of those people, and probably my children know, unfortunately, I'm one of those people too. If you commit to it, you go fulfill it. When our kids have started something and said, oh, I'm going to quit, I don't like that, mm-mm. If you've committed to it, you're going to finish it. And that was the way my dad was. And so I had the summer... And this one partner would say, Marty, I want you to go do this. And I'd start that project. The other owner would come and say, what in the are you doing? I want you to do this. And I'd go do that. And then the other guy would come back, what in the world are you? It's, the whole summer was like that. It's like I had 20 different projects going and none of them I could finish because each one of them wanted me to do what they wanted me to do. You can't serve two masters. You can't do it. If you're working for someone and they tell you to deliver something to Durham and somebody else comes in and says, no, I want you to deliver something to Wilmington, you just can't do that. That's two different directions unless you didn't know that. One's one way on 40 and one's the other. You can't serve two masters. If you don't believe what Jesus is saying, let's look at his brother James. James in the fourth chapter, the fourth verse says, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. There is no middle ground. God doesn't give us that right to stand on the fence. We have to choose one or the other. You can't serve two masters. Why? Because your heart, Jesus says, will be fully devoted to one. You're going to choose one of those. And so now we're back to the heart thing. Why can't we serve two masters? Because your heart will be devoted to one. Psalm 62 verse 10 Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. And Jesus tells us in verse 24, as he finishes that, you cannot serve both God and money or wealth or mammon as the word is in the Greek. Mammon means wealth, possession, money. But, but what would you do if you changed this latter part of verse 24 and instead of saying you cannot serve God and wealth, what if you changed it to worship? You cannot worship God. Or you're either going to worship God or you're going to worship wealth or money. But you can't do both. 
And so this morning, that, that question is still, what are we focused on? Where is our heart? If you want to just take a, a little glimpse maybe into that for yourself, you could ask yourself, where do I spend my time? What do I focus on most? Maybe look into your checkbook or your bank statements and just see where your spiritual investments are being made. Many of you know the name John Wesley. John Wesley was uh, an Anglican priest, and uh, he ended up founding uh, the Methodist movement. Um, he did not intend to start a denomination, but ultimately the, the Methodist denomination came out of that movement. In the mid-1700s, he strived in his life to demonstrate godliness, righteousness in every aspect of his life. If you've read any of his bios, you know that he got up at 5 o'clock in the morning and spent time, usually several hours in prayer and reading. Um, he had um, the reason it was called uh, Methodism was because of the methodical uh, things that he required of those that served under him. And so he was very stringent in that, but also including his finances. When, um, when he started as a pastor, he earned 30 pounds a year of English pounds. He lived on 28 and gave the two remaining to the Lord that first year. To give you an equate of money, in 1750, a pound equated to today to $283.50. So if you would extrapolate that out, uh, a pound in 1750, today $283. Just per pound. Just keep that in mind. The next year, his salary doubled. He continued to live on 28 pounds. He gave the other 32 to the Lord. As time went on, he continued to receive more compensation for the work he did, and he entrusted more to the Lord. It's estimated in John Wesley's life that he gave away between 30 and 40,000 pounds gave it away. So let me, so you, you don't have your calculator out, but let's just go the middle route. Let's just say 35, which is halfway between 30 and 40. If he gave away 35,000 pounds at $283, that would be $9.9 million today that he gave away in his lifetime. And he lived on what was left. John Calvin, so you've got Wesley, and you can chastise me for using um, Armenian. Let's go to the reform guy. And so the reform guy is John Calvin. This is what Calvin said. Where your riches hold dominion of your heart, God has lost all of his authority. 
where your riches hold dominion of your heart, God has lost all his authority. This passage has such profound implications for us as we live this life, as, as we think about money and possessions and wealth and whether we are a slave to the possessions of this life or whether we are storing our treasures in heaven. And so I think there are three hard-hitting questions that this passage has us to think about. Will you store up treasures on earth or in heaven? Is your heart right with God or wrong? Will you serve God or money? Those are three hard-hitting questions, but I think there are also three important aspects that Jesus reminds us of our heart. Your heart determines, your treasure determines your heart. Your heart determines the course of your life, and you cannot divide your heart between two masters. Think about that. Your treasure determines your heart. Your heart determines your course of life. You cannot divide your heart between two masters. Therefore, what Joshua tells us in chapter 24, verse 15, is certainly applicable here. Choose this day whom you will serve. But I would caution you folks to choose wisely. I think God calls us to constantly guard our hearts for a number of reasons, for a number of ways. But here in this text, he reminds us to guard our hearts, to examine ourselves. What are we focused on? And how we answer that question will reveal a lot about our walk with our Savior. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for just reminding us that you want all of us, you want to be first in all things in our life. When it comes to our possession, our wealth, our time, um, all things you want from us. And it's just not a question. It's, it's just absolutely what you demand. And so, Father, so often our focus is in so many other areas can we, and I think we should, include that focus on you in our work, in our play, in our families, in our relationships, with our children, especially with our spouses? Father, if we place you first as a priority in our heart, all of these other things are going to fall into place, including our tithes and offerings, because we're going to want to support the work of your church, the body of Christ. Father, help us to, to examine ourselves, even today. Are you first? We pray this in your name. Amen.